The Start On Demand. On demand. Winnipeg Jets GM Kevin Sheveldayoff and Executive Chairman Mark Chipman from True North addressed the media on Tuesday for the first time since the news broke about the Chicago Blackhawks sexual abuse scandal. Are you satisfied with what you heard? Heather Stephenson has been sworn in as Manitoba's first female premier, but Shelley Glover has launched a challenge in court. She says, quote, I am the premier. We speak to a new-slash-old member of the Chorus Winnipeg family who has a crazy story about working in Dubai. And boy, did we have fun today talking about bad customers. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's on vacation. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, November 3rd podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb back next week. Thank you very much for joining us this Wednesday morning on The Start. And yesterday morning, we were wondering if the news conference would happen. Yesterday was originally supposed to happen Monday, and then it uh, was postponed. And we learned that late yesterday morning that it would, in fact, go ahead. And we're talking about the Kevin Sheveldayoff and Mark Chipman news conference, Greg. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, we don't have any numbers, but I'm, I'm certain thousands of Manitobans tuned in to hear what the chairman, owner of the Winnipeg Jets, Mark Chipman, and the current general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Sheveldayoff, had to say about Sheveldayoff's role in what happened in the Kyle Beach situation, why Kevin Sheveldayoff is the only executive at the meeting May 23rd, 2010, currently working in the National Hockey League, and what they plan to do moving forward. I know there are lots of people unsatisfied, uh, mystified uh, by what they heard yesterday. I'm still trying to process it all, Brett, I'll be honest with you. Um, there are lots of things I'm bothered by over this situation, things that I'm still trying to process. But I know this, at least I believe it. And John Shannon will join us at 737. And I'm going to ask him if he agrees with me on this. The easiest thing, the path of least resistance for the Winnipeg Jets would have been for Gary Bettman to have demanded and received Kevin Sheveldayoff's resignation in New York last Friday. That would have been the easiest thing for the Winnipeg Jets in terms of what they're dealing with right now. And moving forward without Sheveldayoff, I think, as an organization, would be much easier than the path that they've chosen. And Mark Chipman has uh, steadfastly defended his general manager and said yesterday that they intend to be an organization that does better, that does as well or better than any or other organization on this front and has pledged Chipman has to make this a priority for the National Hockey League and he has the clout to do that so uh, I'm going to ask John Shannon if, if he agrees with me on that would be the easier path the path of least resistance for overall for the Winnipeg Jets have been for Kevin Sheveldayoff to to resign uh, last week or yesterday. So we'll have a full breakdown of that news conference coming up at 7.07. And of course, you can read more at cjob.com. Jets also played a hockey game last night. I went to sleep. It was 3-1 Jets. Uh, they were cruising. I was very tempted to tweet out last night, hey, Winnipeg, uh, you might actually have a very good hockey team on your hands. The Jets were dominating the Dallas Stars. And then I got... 
Woken from my slumber to a 3-3 tie. I watched the overtime. The Jets were dominant in the overtime and then uh, prevailed in a shootout. Uh, Eric Comrie, uh, I've been a little uh, hesitant to endorse the idea of Comrie as the backup for the Jets. He's now 2-0 as a starter. He filled in for Connor Hellebuck. Uh, Connor Hellebuck and his partner Andrea had a baby boy in the wee hours yesterday morning, so uh, Eric Comrie pressed into service. Uh, we more than likely would have seen Hellebuck last night. So uh, the Jets, I think it's points in seven straight games now after opening the season with two losses. So uh, the Jets are cruising along, and they've got two games this weekend, Friday against Chicago, Saturday against the Islanders at Canada Life uh, Canada Life Center as they uh, last night started a seven-game homestand. So uh, good on the Jets uh, on the ice uh, with the big win last night. So we've got our Paul Edmonds Report coming up at 6.55. John Shannon joins us at 7.37 for our weekly Jets chat. And we'll have the sounds of the game coming up just after 8 o'clock, just after 8.10, in fact. Also today, we have much to discuss on the fact that we have a new premier, although there is a challenge. There is a challenge. And does this feel... I don't want to say it, but I'm going to. Does this feel American to you at all? Does this feel oh. like U.S. style, quote unquote, politics right now? Every time you turn around, there's a challenge to the results of an election. Uh, Heather Stephenson becoming the first uh, woman premier in Manitoba's history. She is now, uh, the, well, the 24th premier of Manitoba, and she is now the only uh, woman premier in our country. But uh, Shelley Glover steadfastly, emphatically says, um, I believe I am the first woman premier in Manitoba history, the first woman Métis Manitoba premier. So we'll uh, delve into that a little more deeply as we make our way through the morning as uh, Shelley Glover is challenging the results of the PC leadership race. Yeah, that's right. So we'll have details on that at 6.37. Shelley Glover did speak with Jim Toth yesterday on the Jim Toth Show just after 1.30. So if you want to check that out in the audio vault at cjob.com, you can. But we will play a chunk of that where she explains why she has uh, made this court challenge. And at 6.45, we want to talk about customers... We got bomber tickets to give away for Saturday's game versus Montreal at IG Field. And we are going to ask you, well, we're asking you right now um, to tell us a story about bad customers. Like, do you have a story about something specific that you witnessed or do you have like a type of customer that you hate? And this stems from a call you took at Earl's once upon a time, Greg? Uh, or what happened there? Oh, yes, that's right. Well, this started with you. I think uh, both of us noticed a, a, a tweet yep. about going to the pub, right? Going yep. to King's Head and, uh, geez, it's really loud in here. And, yes, I, I received a phone call at Earl's years ago from a, from a woman who was very distressed that uh, on, on a Monday night she'd come to Earl's with her family following a funeral. It was not a happy time in her family's life, obviously. Uh, but they decided to come to Earl's for a meal. And I, I said, you know, I, I sympathize and, and our condolences, but we're not traditionally a quiet place. Yeah. You know, yesterday we, a glass ceiling was shattered with our first woman premier. I'm going to shatter another myth. I think most of us know this. The customer isn't always right. <laughs> 
Manitoba officially having a new premier. Heather Stephenson was sworn in yesterday afternoon. I, Heather Dorothy Stephenson, do solemnly swear that I will duly, faithfully, and to the best of my knowledge and ability, perform and fulfill duties and requirements of the Office of Executive Councillor for the province of Manitoba. And with that, Manitoba has its first ever woman as premier. Stephenson was voted in as the new leader of Manitoba's PC party over the weekend. The new premier says she'll be talking to cabinet in the next several days and plans to have a throne speech when the house resumes. Her first commitment was to advance reconciliation within Manitoba. She also says her team is ready to learn from the hard lessons the pandemic has taught all of us. In the coming weeks, we will establish a task force to clear the surgical and diagnostic backlogs and enhance our ICU capacity. Meanwhile, PC leadership challenger Shelley Glover filed court documents yesterday disputing the election results, saying that Stephenson's win is invalid. The new premier says this move from Glover is disappointing. I'm not going to get let this get off uh, our game and our focus that we need to maintain. You know, in the, in this role, I need to look at what's in the best interest of all Manitobans, and and that's what I'll continue to do. I'm going to meet tomorrow with with cabinet and and caucus and have these discussions about, you know, what are the next steps. As for Glover, I am the first premier, female premier, of Manitoba. I feel I am the first female Métis premier. Of Manitoba. Now that clip came from the Canadian press, but she also spoke with 680 CJOB's Jim Toth yesterday afternoon, just after 1.30, and outlined why she is making this move. My campaign leadership uh, did receive a spreadsheet at 12.27 a.m. on October 30th, which indicated that 16,045 ballots would be counted. Okay, so I knew that I needed 8,023 votes to win. Even though I was upset about some other irregularities, this is the night of the count, what I knew to be the number that I was targeting to win. So at the Victoria Inn, when they began to uh, express, you know, how many votes were counted, um, Tom Weeb, the president of the, the, uh, of the, the party, he announced that 82 ballots were spoiled 17 were in dispute. And then he announced that I had won 8,042 ballots. So, of course, I thought instantly, my goodness, I'm, I'm the premier. I'm the leader. And then he continued on to say that Heather had won 8,405 ballots, which was shocking because I did the quick math. That is not 16,045 ballots. Suddenly, there's 500 extra votes that were counted, which put her as the winner. And so this is the basis of our, our suit and scrutineers tell us after the fact um, that in, in the count room, both sides thought I was also the victor. And so when they saw it announced live, both Heather's side of scrutineers and my side of scrutineers, We're shocked because they announced the wrong name. Glover is asking the courts to order a new vote. She also said to Jim Toth yesterday, Greg, she wants her party to do the right thing. Why wouldn't you feel that way? Based on the story she just told, if if it's factual 
and she believes it to be. Those are her version of the facts and what went down on Saturday. Yeah, I would be bothered as well, and I suppose I would be asking for clarification on, you told us this, it end up be, ended up being that, what happened between here and there, and I know numbers don't always translate very well on radio, but Brett, you were listening to that as I was, and we both listened to that uh, very succinct, I thought, uh, layout from Shelley Glover as to the number of votes that were going to be counted, the disputed ballots, the the, dis, the dis, uh, dis, discounted ballots, and then the ones that were left over. Uh, the math doesn't add up based on what Shelley Glover's saying. Let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. What is your take on this? We're already getting some feedback. Uh, for example, some saying... Uh, like Crystal says, Glover just needs to understand she lost mm-hmm. and needs to accept it. But if you have a dissenting view to that, feel free to share it at 204-780-6868. And at 837, we are going to hear from women in leadership roles who say yesterday was an important day for Manitoba with Stephenson being sworn in. And of course, you can read more on this at cjob.com. Right now, we want to talk about customers, because as Randall from Clerks once said... This job would be great if it wasn't for the customers. Now, GMAC, yesterday you referenced um, an interesting situation from your time at Earl's. Yes, of course, we've all been... It's been driven into us, those of us that have worked in the hospitality, service, retail industry. The customer is always right. Customers believe that they're always right. Guess what? You're not always right as a customer. There are times where your take on the situation is absolutely 100% wrong. It's incorrect. You do not have the pulse on the business and an accurate take on what we do. And uh, I touched on this a little bit earlier, but there was once upon a time a, a phone call at Earl's on a Tuesday morning. A woman was very upset. Her and her family had come to the restaurant on a Monday evening only to find it full of loud music, paying customers, clattering and clanging cutlery, and a party of people enjoying wine and food, uh, uh, laughing hysterically. Her and her family were there following a funeral. They had lost a family member. Empathetic? Absolutely. Condolences sent? 100%. Um, but I'm sorry, uh, Miss Customer, this was not the place to come for peace and quiet. So today, we want to talk about annoying customers. Do you have a story of something you've witnessed? Like a specific moment that you witnessed a bad customer in the wilderness? Or maybe you got a type of customer you hate, whether it's the change counter, the messy eater, the complainer, the lousy tipper, the rude person, whatever. Tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win bomber tickets for Saturday's game against Montreal. Let's start with Cameron Poitras. Well, my the, the customer that I can't stand the most is the guy or gal who is standing at the counter at a gas station or whatever uh, that is... A, uh, buying lottery tickets or uh, scratch cards and decides that this is going to be like their private VLT lounge and <laughs> s- sits there 
and scratches tickets and keeps buying more because they want two bucks on one. Oh, I'll get two more. And takes 10 to 15 minutes, and there's a lineup behind them, and these people are so selfish, they don't even turn around to look to see that anyone else is trying to, you know, buy something or get gas Do or anything care, like that. Cam. Could not care less. They all about me, Cam. Yeah, and these people, for some reason, are, are getting there in taxis all the time. I always see them getting out of taxis. Like, what are you doing, man, with your life? Uh, but these people, have they're so selfish. They're sitting there, and they're, they're doing their scratch ticket. Okay, I got five bucks here. Get me some more. Go off to the side. Go off to the side, get your scratch tickets, and then come back in line. You can't just stand there and take up everyone else's time because you're trying to win $3. Like, just ridiculous. The lack of courtesy that some people have, or the la- I don't know if it's a lack of courtesy, courtesy or just a lack of awareness. Yeah. Like, they live in their own little silo, don't care about anybody else. So it, it could be that they're rude, or it could be they're just... Stupid. Yeah, you can tell this happened to me like the last couple of days. <laughs> uh, Jeff Braun, what about you? I was literally going to say the exact same thing. Oh. People buying lottery tickets at the gas station. What is wrong with those people? But Cam already took it. So my my second least favorite kind of customer is uh, the the people that always find something wrong with their food in a restaurant and mm. need to point it out to the waitress or to send it back because not you know I mean if you're Steak is ice cold. Of course, you're going to send it back or if they bring you the wrong thing. But uh, uh, the mashed potatoes aren't quite as fluffy as I'd like them. Could you <laughs> re-whip them, please, or something like that? It just drives me nuts. Uh, dining out is a gamble. You should. Uh, you need to accept that when you walk into the doors of a restaurant. That's, you know what? This could be awesome. This could be less than awesome. We don't know how it's going to go. That's part of the adventure. Just deal with it. Mine also has to do with dining out, and it has to do with rude Customers, customers who are rude to their server. Um, and I remember a specific moment. This happened, oh boy, probably 20 years ago. And a friend of mine and his girlfriend were bound and determined to set me up with somebody. They thought that I was this wounded puppy who needed to be f- saved. And I would o- could only be saved by going on a date, by having a girlfriend. But whatever. So I went out on this double date. We went to Earl's. Uh, and... The two women who were like the my friend's girlfriend and this woman they were trying to set me up, but they were both servers at the Olive Garden. And the server at Earl's happened to be more attractive than both of them. We weren't in the lounge. We were in the dining room and she was wearing a long sleeve shirt and pants, had her hair in a ponytail. She was super nice, super polite. But because she was better looking than them, they refused to even acknowledge her existence. They wouldn't talk to her. They wouldn't say thank you. Nothing. And at one point, I even looked at my friend like, what is happening here? Uh, needless to say, I was not impressed with that behavior, and I never saw that woman again. So, and eventually, they, the other two broke up. But, uh, yeah, I was just disgusted. Like, don't be rude to your server. Macklin, well, you're, you've served? Oh, I served a lot, and I served at Earl's for off and on for six years, and uh, it was always quite humorous when a table of uh, well-heeled uh, businessmen would come into Earl's on Main in particular, and they would walk in and they would get stuck with me as a server. They would, I would approach the table and they'd look at me and they could, you could see the disappointment <laughs> pour over their face. Oh, you? <laughs> they, knew they were getting a female server? Yeah, but, well, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to implicate anyone, but yes, y- yes, Your Honor, that's exactly uh, my perception of what was going on. Forte, what about you? 
Mine would be the intoxicated customer. Oh. Like, have you ever seen them at the bars? And, you know, they've had too many and, you know, they're getting a little out of hand. It's just, it, it's so much. And then I used to be, I used to work at a beer vendor. And when you have to cut someone off, or you say like, hey, I can't sell you anything. You've had too much. And they won't leave. Uh. They're angry and they won't leave. It's like, I, I can't do anything for you, man. I can call the cops if you want. But uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing's going to happen here. So must just get on out. We must uh, digress because it was an emotional and frank discussion in front of media for the first time. The general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Sheveldayoff, and executive chairman of True North, Mark Chipman, spoke yesterday about sexual abuse in hockey. I've watched with a sense of helplessness, the pain and devastation. And I've come to learn that its consequences are not self-contained. So I need Kyle to know how very, very sorry I am and how much I admire his courage. The humanity there in the voice, in the, the cracking voice of Mark Chipman, Global's Kevin Hirschfeld has more on what went down yesterday. A lot of focus was on what Kevin Sheveldayoff knew about the alleged sexual assault of former prospect Kyle Beach. But first, he began by apologizing for what happened to Beach. Kyle was failed by a system that should have helped him, but did not. I am sorry that my own assumptions about that system were clearly not good enough. I am sorry that I cannot change what took place or how the process was handled back then. But I can learn from this and make sure that this never happens again. Now the report said Sheveldayoff was part of a meeting in 2010 discussing the abuse allegations, but nothing was done for several weeks. Everyone who was part of that meeting is no longer employed in the NHL, but League Commissioner Gary Bettman said last week Sheveldayoff would not be disciplined because his role in that meeting was minimal. Now, Sheveldayoff says he was abruptly pulled into that meeting and all he was told was about inappropriate texts and unwanted advances made by Brad Aldrich, but those were the extent of the details and he assumed something would be done. The response was, in my understanding, that it was going to be investigated and dealt with. Um, Had I known that there was any uh, sexual assault involved, I would like to think that it would have rose to a, a different level. If he had known, the Kevin Shevel day off that I know would have acted and would have done whatever it took to make sure that Kyle received incredible levels of support. So Shevel day off will not face any discipline and he says it's now time to look forward and make a positive impact. I am fortunate, I guess, that uh, I have an opportunity to be someone that still has a chance to make a change in the game and to help grow and learn and um, try to make this a better and safer place. Sheveldayoff also says he's spoken with sexual abuse survivor Sheldon Kennedy and says he's committed to taking online training tools developed by Kennedy and implementing what he's learned with the Jets. 
I'm still trying to process all this myself, Brett. Um, I was asking for some humanity from some contrition, uh, just something that made me feel as though Kevin Cheveldayoff uh, understood uh, the gravity of what's happened here. I think I got most of that, uh, but still felt too much like prepared statements, too much legalese, too much uh, CYA, as a lot of people are suggesting that there's just still too much language distancing, trying to distance Kevin Cheveldayoff from what happened in Chicago. But one thing that Kevin Cheveldayoff did say in simple language, Brett, I didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, sometimes in a situation that, you know, it sounds like an excuse, but sometimes it's a reason. Greg Galuli, who, of course, uh, has joined us several times over the years and uh, including uh, last week about this situation. And on Monday, uh, spoke with Julian Richard on the news following uh, yesterday's news conference. Remember, when the litigation comes to light and the Blackhawks are trying to circle the wagons and the NHL is asking and saying there's nothing to look at because the Blackhawks are saying there's nothing to look at, Sheveldayoff is asked, and then he's asked again, and then he's asked again. And each and every time he says, I had limited knowledge. I didn't find out until just before uh, Aldrich left the organization. He never stepped up and said, you know what? The Blackhawks, and I was a part of this meeting, had a meeting with all of the senior executives, and we all knew there was something going on. And if he had said that in the first instance earlier this year, 2021, there's no way Joel Quenville would have been behind the bench because all of that stuff that was in the report that came out last week would have come out right then and there. And that's the problem I have with Shevel Dayoff. He's had numerous opportunities this year to show leadership, to show concern for the victim first, hockey and the hockey organization second. And quite frankly, this press conference today was a disaster. Greg, uh, just very quickly, does that comment surprise you? The press conference was a disaster? No, it doesn't, because uh, people come into these things looking for certain things uh, to be said and presented in a certain fashion. And Greg Kaluli, obviously, as a sexual abuse survivor, Graham James survivor, as a lawyer, sees things through a much different lens than I would, for sure. So I respect uh, Greg's take on it. We're asking you to tell us a story about a bad customer, and Joan has sent us a picture. I'm not going to say from where, Ooh. but it is a table that um, looks like it w- had was inhabited by wolves. <laughs> like there, there are yes, there's crap all over the floor, crap yes. all over the table. Yes, the chairs have been pulled out and like left in just complete haphazard randomness. When you worked in restaurants, Greg. I get people can be messy. No question. But how irritating was it to come upon a a mob scene like this? Well, you know, listen, uh, there's two ways of viewing this. The the customers are gone from this table. And so uh, we used to call it table maintenance. And so the goal was, uh, was, was always that all the plates would be gone from the table before you presented the bill and before that part of the transaction was, was uh, taken care of. So, Based on what I'm seeing in this picture, 
the server failed at their table maintenance because there's way too much stuff on the table. However, the customers failed in their floor maintenance because it looks like half the food ended up on the floor. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the chairs all... This looks like a scene from the movie Twister, Brett. <laughs> Could also be that it's one of those situations where you pay at the front as opposed to, like, where they... 100%, but, you know, you got to stay on top. Of getting those, uh, you know, you got to get the plates clear off the table. That's it's mandatory, man. <laughs> okay. Uh, so tell us a story for a chance to win bomber tickets at 204-780-6860. We'll pick a winner at 915. This reminds me of this picture of seeing this, uh, and I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. Taco Bell, there was a mother-daughter combination. Oh, yes. They would come in and order six soft tacos between them. Between them, the two of them, they would somehow manage to take up eight seats, mm-hmm. and there would be lettuce and cheese all over the place. It was like they were tearing them apart just with their teeth, like they would just put their face down and just kind of like, and just picturing them eating these tacos like, like a dog. No declaration of food for- <laughs> no, no, just, just disgusting slobs. My goodness. That was Taco Bell uh, Regent, by the way, back at around 1993, 94, 95 in that ballpark. Just in case uh, said customers are listening, shame on you. Shame, shame. Tell us a story about a bad customer. Like, have you ever witnessed a specific moment of customer chicanery? Or perhaps there's just a type of customer that you don't like. 204-780-6868. Jason does not like split plates. Oh, split plates. So annoying. It's a bagel. You can't eat your own? It's a bowl of soup. Really? You need two spoons for that? You really need to bring your own tea bag to the restaurant? Ooh. Guess what? You're paying for a cup of tea. Really? Do you need your burger completely deconstructed? Why? Can the pickles not touch the lettuce? No, they cannot. <laughs> really? You have a gluten allergy? Wow, when I tell you that the sauce has gluten in it and you respond a little gluten is okay... Thank you for making me completely clean the area. I'm preparing your food for your fake allergy. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Is that Jason? That's Jason, yeah. Jason laying down the smack. Jason smash. So keep those texts coming for a chance to win. We'll give those bomber tickets away just after 9.15. But in the meantime, it's Jets Wednesday. And it's brought to you by South Beach Casino and Resort, where service sets them apart. SouthBeachCasino.ca. And it has been a week which may very well change the culture of the National Hockey League forever. And most would agree that it had better. Yeah, the owner and general manager of the Winnipeg Jets both faced the public via a news conference yesterday to discuss Kevin Sheveldayoff's role and the fact he was the only former Chicago Blackhawks executive working in hockey to not lose his job last week. That was any executive who was employed by the Blackhawks the day of a May 23rd, 2010 meeting involving what may have been going on with regard to Kyle Beach. Hockey insider and esteemed member of our Jets coverage team here on 680 CJOB is John Shannon. Good morning, John. Morning, boys. Well, I think it's uh, probably just a simple question to start off. What was your view of what we heard from Mark Chipman and Kevin Sheveldayoff yesterday? Well, uh... Uh, quite frankly, I thought that we saw more out of Winnipeg and compassion for what was going on uh, than we saw from anywhere else, uh, whether that be the Blackhawks, whether that be the NHL, uh, or any other, any other person that has a place of authority uh, with what went on in Chicago. So uh, from, from that perspective, 
um, what Mark and Kevin tried to say yesterday and said yesterday uh, probably put uh, a I didn't want, I don't want to say a positive spin but put uh, a positive effect on uh, what could happen and what should happen within the game of hockey in a better light. John, I'm of the firm opinion that for Mark Chipman and the Winnipeg Jets, the easiest thing would have been for Gary Bettman to have demanded and received the resignation of Kevin Shoveldey off at New York last Friday. The path chosen here by the Jets is not the easier one. Agree or disagree? Uh, certainly... I mean, easy again. Easy's not a easy may not be the appropriate word in it because I think there truly was a belief of Kevin's uh, lack of role or uh, lack of authority within what went on last week uh, or in 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 2010, and then the results of the meeting last week. So from from that perspective, I would tell you that uh, what the Jets are trying to do. Is, is you're right. It's probably more difficult than anything else than than people had anticipated to try to try to create change within a culture um, and to try to do it uh, so publicly is difficult. Um, and and so that path is one that uh, um, Mark should be commended for trying to take. Um, that said, I don't think I don't think that things are going to change that quickly. Um, and there's some irony for me uh, in uh, what's what's happening as well because when Chicago Chicago is coming to town on Friday, uh, that means the Chicago media is going to be there, and that means there's probably going to be a situation where Kevin has to answer and should answer some of the questions for the Chicago media. Um, so we'll have to wait and see to see how long it takes, what's involved. Um, and and role the Jets can play, not just for their own organization, but for the whole league. National Hockey League Players Association is now under the microscope. There have been calls for Donald Fear to resign over the admission that the Players Union did not investigate or assist Kyle Beach in his time of need. So what's next there, John? Well, I think that's a little more complex. What's, what's happening now is uh, the NHL Players Association are going to launch their own in, independent investigation of how the, the union handled things. Um, and really, in my, in my opinion, uh, what they're doing is buying time. That's all they're doing, is they're buying time to try to figure out how to uh, look at a leadership situation within the Players Association. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, I, I think in the next four to six months, we're going to see change within the Players Association. And that will include um, Don Fear uh, leaving, but it will probably be more on his terms as opposed to what the investigation uh, brings out, and we'll go from there. Um, But there will be some change within the Players Association, but I'm not sure how much. How about the league? Is there discontent among owners and governors over the way Gary Bettman has handled the situation? I don't. I, again, contentment is not really the fair word. Um, you, there so is, is, there a, great... is there anger? Well, what would be the right word then, John? Sorry, uh, just. Uh... Well, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. 
I don't know what the right word is. Um, I think that, you know, does the question is, does Gary Bettman still have a great deal of support amongst ownership? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, the, um, you know the, the, his press conference on Monday was not his shining moment. But at the same time that uh, the owners, uh, the majority of owners still have a great deal of faith in what Gary Bettman has done for the National Hockey League in 28 years. Uh, and I'm sure that the majority of them have the faith that he can help change the system, uh, as a guy like Mark will, will attest to. Um, you know, Mark is a great supporter of Gary's. I don't want to speak for Mark, but Mark is a great supporter of Gary's. Um, and people like Mark can work hand-in-hand with the commissioner in order to, to create some of that change. Thanks for this, John. I know it's been an incredibly difficult week. Uh, this is not over, and and really, it, it can't be over, right? I mean, uh, the news cycle being what it is, it would be predictable that perhaps maybe conversation around this uh, dies out maybe over the weekend or, or next week. Uh, in your view, is it imperative that this conversation and, and the spotlight continue to be shone on this situation for the weeks and months to come? I think not just in the NHL, but in the game of hockey, and as, as Mark talked about yesterday, in society alone, we have to create better checks and balances. We have to be able to create a, 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 a safe workplace. We have to be able to find a way that people who feel the need to come forward have the right, the ability, and the safe nature to come forward and discuss issues that have made them feel uncomfortable, and even to the point of discussing whether they feel they've been abused or not. All right, John Shannon joining us live on 680 CJOB. John, thank you very much. Cheers. Before we talk about anything else, here's another story on bad customers. This one, Greg, from Michael. And I, I selected this one for you because I know how much you like shrimp. Oh, okay. Well, I found another text message I thought you were referencing with regard to seafood and shrimp. So let's read this one and we'll, we'll, we'll confer about the other one. Was that... McPhillip Street Station Casino to have their 649 lunch special, all you can eat, years ago. We were behind a person that used both his hands to scoop out jumbo shrimp out of a huge bowl. Tongs sitting right there. He went back to his table, ate the plate, and spit every tail on the carpeted floor. Hundreds of them. He went back for seconds, and the server just came by while he was gone and filled his uh, complimentary water glass and uh, left the mess. Disgusting. Some people just don't care, and I think this this ties to one of the most important lessons I think my parents ever taught me, and it was when I was a little kid, we would go to McDonald's, and they would say, see see the, the garbage can, how it says thank you on mm-hmm. the bin? They'd say, well, that's because that's the garbage monster, and he's hungry all the time, so when you put garbage in there, you're feeding him, so he's saying thank you. So that taught me from like when I was four years old to just clean up after yourself. Don't be a slob. Be courteous. And uh, I think that that honestly was like the one of the most important things, like I said, that I've ever learned because 
when you see this kind of disgusting behavior, this lack of courtesy, I think it probably goes back to what they learned when they were kids. Yep, and you know what? So many of the things that we're dealing with in society right now, whether it's poor driving, road rage, whether it's uh, our behaviors in public, it has to do with basic manners. Your pleases and thanks, thank yous and your respect for other people. And if we just cared about other people a little bit more, I think we'd be through a lot of the things that we're in right now. Brett, May I call an audible live on the air here? Sure. I just want to share with our listeners some of the conversations we deal with behind the scenes here on text messaging. We were sharing with you numbers from the Southern Health region. We were sharing with you the overall ICU and hospitalization numbers with regard to COVID-19. I relayed to you the fact one of our listeners was, you know, querying about the idea that 39% of people that are getting COVID-19 that are mixed in these numbers now are fully vaccinated. I reminded that listener, the vaccination does not prevent you from getting COVID-19. What it does do in most cases, in a vast majority of cases, is prevent you from serious illness. It reduces your chances of going to hospital. It reduces the likelihood of you being in the ICU, and it reduces dramatically your likelihood of dying from COVID-19. It does not eliminate those risks. So while I was sharing that with you, one of our listeners shared this With us, don't make it sound like people are so terrible for not getting the vaccine. People who got it won't die from it. So why should they be so angry with these people? I'm vaccinated and I have family members who will never get it. I respect their choices and we leave it at that. And you know what? If maybe the text message was left at that, Brett, Mm -hmm. I think I might have been able to leave it alone. But then people are too quick to judge. Uh-oh. Do you want to read my response? Um, you go ahead because okay. I, I... You can't <laughs> see it? Okay, sorry. I think you might be missing the point, listener. I'm leaving the listener's name out of this, out of respect. Regardless of where people are from, it is inarguable that people who are unvaccinated are more likely to end up in hospital or in the ICU. Will you concede that point? For most of us, this isn't about whether we or I will get sick or not. It is about the stress and strain on the healthcare system. Nurses and doctors are not robots, and for such a large percentage of the population to continue to refuse to get vaccinated, it is those people who will eventually overrun the system. Listener's response, you will never convince me. Nothing to say to that. Wow, I was genuinely flabbergasted. And uh, to reiterate and to make my point, the unvaccinated are tying up critical hospital infrastructure, which could be used for other surgeries like knee and hip replacements, cardiac surgeries, which would change the quality of life if received. The personal choice has ramifications for all of us, and we will continue to discuss that here on this program. Feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868. You can email Mackling at CJOB.com or Brett at CJOB.com. We also want to talk about how Heather Stephenson sworn in as premier yesterday. And regardless of the fact that it is being challenged by Shelley Glover, uh, many women in leadership roles say no matter your political views... Yesterday was an important day in our province. Global's Marnie Blunt explains. And while I may be the first woman to hold this office, I take this oath confident 
in the knowledge that I will not be the last. A monumental day in Manitoba. Heather Stephenson makes history being sworn in as Manitoba's 24th Premier and first woman to have that title. She's also now currently the only female Premier out of all the provinces. I think today's a big day for Manitoba and it's, it's one more glass ceiling that's, uh, that's been broken. Economic Development Winnipeg President and CEO Dana Spiring is no stranger to being the only woman in the room. In 2019, she became the first female chair of the Winnipeg Football Club and the first woman to have her name on the Grey Cup. She hopes this will serve as an inspiration to others. I think anytime someone can see themselves in a role by seeing other people pave the way, it's, it's a great thing. And, and whether it's, you know, whether it's politics or football or leadership roles, you know, all of those abilities, all of those chances that we get to see ourselves in, in different roles, I think are really impactful. Mariette Muller has been the president and CEO of the World Trade Centre Winnipeg since its inception in 2013. She also says Stephenson's premiership marks a historic day for the province. Better late than never. I mean, I really find that uh, we can go back and say, well, we're late at the game, but... At least we're there. Mueller says often women find barriers from pursuing leadership roles and the pressure can be magnified on women, particularly in the age of social media. She also says the ability to listen before taking action is a key part of leadership. You're under the microscope so much more uh, when you're in public life that I can see that there's some hesitancy and I appreciate that. But I think what we need to do as people is give people a chance. And here we have the chance to have our first woman premier in Heather Stephenson and right on. Marnie Blunt, Global News. Question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. Based on what you've heard from Shelley Glover, does she make a compelling case for a recount or revote for Manitoba's PC leadership? So at cjob.com, so far we've got 55% who say yes, 45% who say no. We've also put that poll on Twitter, and at last check it was a bit different. 27% there said yes, 70 said no. So cast your vote cjob.com or on Twitter at 680CJOB. Yeah, well, hey, lots to discuss. It's never a dull day around here. Can we say that for sure, Brett McGarry? Yeah. (laughs) Juggling all these different conversations. And listen, sincerely, we appreciate your feedback on the Shelly Glover situation. We love the feedback with regard to vaccinations and how you feel about them and how you feel about these numbers. I'm doing, we're doing our darndest to see other sides of this conversation but there does come a point where i can't bite my tongue any longer and i need to to share uh how we're feeling and how i'm feeling about this and and sort of just be plain in our language feedback on the kevin shovel day of situation all sorts of situations uh that we're uh, receiving feedback on and we we, we appreciate it very much 204-780-6868 We are looking for our third qualifier for a great prize we're giving away on Friday. Greg, what is that? LOL, LOL, 
I need that press button. You can qualify to win two tickets to Habitat for Humanity's Hammer and Ales. And once again, Hammer and Ales instead of Nails, Habitat for Humanity. They build houses with Hammer, and it's just so brilliant. The Hammer and Ales fundraiser at the King's Head Pub on November 25th. We'll give the prize away this coming Friday. But in the meantime, we need to find our first qualifier well, our qualifier Third, for, 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 that for, for it's okay for today. Our qualifier for today. <laughs> if you can answer answer uh, question uh, option number two, would be my vote, Brett. Seven percent of people say they do this at least three times a day. What is it? Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Chris, seven percent of people say they do this at least three times a day. What is it? I'm gonna say brush their teeth. Oh, that's a healthy mouth. Uh, but no, that's not it. But hey, thanks for the guess. I uh, try to do it twice a day, but sometimes it, I confess it just ends up being once. Like in the morning? Yeah, in the Please morning. Please tell me it's at least in the morning. In the morning, yeah. And then, I, and then at <laughs> night, when I'm, if I'm tired, sometimes I'll just do the mouthwash and go to bed. You're wearing the mask, so it's not that big a deal now if you don't want to. Rudy, do you know what it is? Look at their emails. Oh, if only it was three times. <laughs> uh, no, that's not it, Rudy. I'm sorry, we're not laughing at the guests. We're laughing at what? How nice would that be, Rudy? We are envious of your lifestyle. <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay, uh, good guess, uh, Kevin. Do you know what it is? Uh, check themselves in the mirror. Ah, got to do the old spinneroony to make sure everything's working. Yeah, Greg, Greg's just you know doing the the eyebrow lick kind of deal. <laughs> Uh, no, that's not it, but that's a good one. Thanks, right. thanks, thanks, Kevin. Um, Kevin's we'll take... disappointed he didn't get that. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Yeah. Emma, do you know what it is? Take a nap. Take a nap? Yeah. Three naps a day. No, that's not it, but I would suggest that Emma is as close as we've gotten so far. 7% of yeah. people say they do this at least three times a day. What is it? Jim? Jim, are you there? Hi, uh, call their partner on the phone. No. That's no. a good guess. Yeah. How, how often do you call Jackie? Oh, never. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> once, probably once a day on yeah. average. Yeah. Well, it's all via text now for so much of our yeah, communication. For sure. right? I try to leave her alone at work as much as possible. Daryl, do you know what it is? Uh, let out the dog. No. No, that's not it, depending on the dog. Uh, one of my uh, exes had a dog that needed to go out like all the time because he was so not because he had to do stuff. He just couldn't relax. In out, energetic in, out, dog oh, whiskey. In out. You, I just let you out, dude. <laughs> what are you doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to relax here. Karen, do you know what it is? How about yawn? Yawn. No, but you might you might be yawning while it's happening. Do you want to reread the question? Because the percentage here might be throwing people off. 7% of people say they do this at least three times a day. Jason, do you know what it is? Is it floss your teeth? No. No. Uh, but uh, the closest we've come so far was uh, yawning and mm-hmm. taking a nap. So mm-hmm. it does have to do with sleep. Ernie, do you know what it is? Well, I was uh, I was going the other way. Uh, pass gas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might be a little. I would say it's probably a bit higher, but uh, I, I would say it's one of those. 
you know, you're in such a relaxed state, right? So <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not it or any but good stuff. Marjorie, do you know what it is? I was going to say tie your shoes. No, and I'm not being rude, at this, but I'm just seeing, looking at the clock wind down here. So I have a hint. We gotta, let's, let's let Paul go. All right. and then All right. Go, Paul. Go to the bathroom. No. What's your hint, Greg? You're going to do this before you even get out of bed. Paula, do you know what it is? Hit the snooze button. Bingo, bango, bongo. Did you know the answer before the hint? Uh, no, but I do that three times a day. Ah, there you go. You hit the snooze button three times a day at least. Only 7% of people. Three is my magic. 245, three. I try to get up on the second one, but usually it's the third one, 315. So that means that I'm part of like a, a small group of people that just can't drag their butts out of bed. So along with Paula, who says she hits it three times a day too. Paula, congratulations. You're our next qualifier. Thank you. We're asking you to tell us about bad customers, like Don, who says, In my taxi days, I had an intoxicated couple who had no money. He offered the services of his wife, and she was okay with said deal. Oh! I ended up physically removing them from the car, and, and, and I broke my wrist in the process. So, good, mm. a little slightly uncomfortable, hey, Don? So... <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't got no cash. How about my wife? Crazy. Mm-hmm. So we'll give away those bomber tickets in our next segment uh, for Saturday's game. We'll pick a winner during the next commercial set. But right now, we got to talk about how it is one of the truly special days of the year on our radio station. Coming up on Friday, November 19th, we invite you to join us for the Radiothon of Hope and Healing. It's presented by the Vicar Automotive Group right here on 680 CJOB from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Our fellow chorus stations, Power 97 and Peggy at 99.1, will also be airing the Radiothon from noon to 6 p.m. with giveaways and prizes to be won throughout the day. Joining us this morning to encourage you to mark this on or in your calendars are the president and CEO of the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation, Karen Fowler. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me on today. Well, it's always our pleasure, our honor to welcome longtime supporter and name sponsor of this annual event, Larry Vicker. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Greg. Also my pleasure to be on with you this morning. Well, thanks for taking the time. We know you're a busy individual. And heck, the the Vicker family name is on this event, has been for several years. And your family, Larry, so generous to so many organizations in our community. Can I please, first of all, thank you for that? Well, I do appreciate the kind words. The fact is we're all part of the community, not only my immediate family, but the Vicar Automotive family and our employees uh, uh, enjoy to be part of this Radiothon each year. I think we've been part of it now for uh, probably 10 or 11 years for sure. And uh, it, it's a, it's an amazing thing for education for Manitobans and to raise necessary funds for uh, a wonderful cause. Well, it's like you and I have been in a room together once or twice before because written down here, it <laughs> says, secondly, your employees are such a huge part of this family effort. So you mentioned that, but maybe elaborate a little bit more. Uh, Steve and the crew talk about what they do and what they've done over the years leading up to and on Radio Thante. Absolutely. Uh, 
during the pandemic and uh, situation we're in now, last year and this year, it's a little bit different. But in usual years, we've got as many as 40 of our team members out throughout the days, whether they're, they're manning the phones, whether they're selling the draws, 50-50 ticket, whatever they're doing, they're doing something. They're part of it because they feel it's, it's the right thing to do, okay? And you mentioned Steve Lipichuk. You know, this uh, hospital touches all of us at some point. Who would you, you know, what do you think, Steve, who's been with me 16 years, uh, just had a uh, major heart uh, operation at St. Boniface, the cardiac unit, of course, as we know, is second to none in the province and in Canada. So uh, what can I say? Uh, you know, it touches all of us at some point, uh, my family, uh, your family, and most Manitobans. So the, the cause is excellent, and, uh, and uh, you know, our, our team is really behind this. They're really uh, gung-ho each year, and uh, while they'll be doing more listening this year than, uh, than usual, uh, they're still part of it. Karen, hospital foundations do... Tremendous work in connecting generous donors to the work of the hospital, and in this case, also the tremendous work that's being done at the Albrechtson and Asper Research Centers. Can you talk a little bit about how that works? Absolutely. So, you know, we raise funds in support of both patient care and medical research here at the hospital. Um, you know, through the monies that are raised, we're able to help elevate the uh, the experience in both areas. Um, we're able to support staff in the hospital with you know, things like equipment and, and renovations to spaces. So, you know, just this last year, we celebrated the transformative renovations in our McEwen building, which is where the hospital provides mental health care. Um, supporters created, helped to create a very optimal healing environment for inpatients, um, making it, you know, providing all the comforts of home, you know, creating more of a home-like atmosphere. Um, and during the radio song on November 19th, listeners will hear from Daryl Croft, who's the uh, program team manager in mental health here at St. Boniface, and he'll be sharing more about the incredible difference that donors make for patients in areas like the McEwen building, but as well as areas like cardiac care. You know, um, you know, we were we were so happy to hear that Steve's surgery here at the hospital was successful, and that you know that he had a great outcome, and we know that he received the same compassionate care from our team here that everybody does every day. Well, you know, and uh, Steve is such a wonderful guy. So, uh, Steve, if you're listening Mm -hmm. this morning, I want to send my love and support to you. And, of course, the community uh, does the same. Uh, Larry, Radiothon donations, you know, we've just kind of run the gamut here in this uh, handful of minutes we have. The hospital, of course, provides urgent care for babies in our neonatal intensive care unit. You know, I say that hour because I feel like a part of, still part of the family over there, Karen. So forgive me for that. If I use the word our a little bit too freely here, but uh, you know the connection that I have. My boys spent uh, a month, both spent a month in that neonatal intensive care unit. Uh, I have received services personally at the McEwen building and, uh, you know, deal with mental illness and, and, uh, the work that's done there is so invaluable to the entire community. And of course, cardiac care, Brett's dad, my grandpa, both have received a cardiac care at St. Boniface hospital. So like you were saying, Larry, it's sort of the way it is, right? St. Boniface hospital is likely to be a place we all go to at one point in our lives for one reason or another for care for ourselves or somebody that we, we, we love and care about. 
Absolutely, Greg. It's touched most Manitobans or will touch most Manitobans. And uh, candidly, uh, you know, I want to take my hat off to, uh, I thank all the essential workers in the province period, but healthcare workers specifically, and uh, St. Bonaventure workers as well, most importantly included in that. Uh, the fact is that we thank uh, them. We thank you, you, Brett, and your CGOB team, as well as Power and Peggy, for your every year support of this. The educational process throughout the day by the grateful patients, the doctors and others that are on, that are interviewed by you, is as as important, I believe, as the funds raised. And certainly your listeners, your loyal listeners, have been very, very valuable to us every year in their support when they phone in. We must leave it there, but we say thank you to Karen Fowler, President and CEO of the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. Karen, thank you. Oh, thank you very much. And, and Greg, you know, of course, you, you as well as everybody at the team at CJOB is a part of our family here at St. B. And, uh, and we really look forward to, uh, to sharing stories of hope and healing on November 19th with you. And longtime supporter and name sponsor of this annual event, Larry Vicker, we say thank you to you as well, sir. Thank you very much to all and Karen. We're giving away bomber tickets for Saturday's game based on your text messages at 204-780-6868 on customer service. Bad, as in the customer, not bad customer service, pardon me, bad customers. And um, we've got our winner, so I'm going to read... One of our runners-up, impossible to pick uh, with so many. So I'm going to go with Andy as uh, a runner-up. How's that? Sounds good to me. Andy says, May 2020, during the first lockdown, I went to a small donut shop on a Saturday morning. There was one lady just paying for her order and another waiting. And then me. Lady in front of me was now being served. Her first question was, what kind of donut is that? The reply was, Boston cream. Well, this customer was livid. I will not buy any American donuts. So at this point, my ears perk up. I start paying attention to her. She eventually makes a couple of choices, and then it happened. She made a FaceTime call to her son. She said she was at the donut shop and asked him to choose a donut. She then turned her phone around so little Jimmy could see the donuts. She now had my attention, along with the four, and four to five other people behind me. I turned to one guy right behind and said, are you seeing this? After two to three minutes, little Jimmy made some selections. The mother then said, let's call your cousin Judy, and the three of us can pick more donuts. She was completely oblivious that others were waiting. I had to stop this, and I said to her, what the F are you doing? Do you not see we are all waiting? And the woman got so flustered, she just walked out of the shop without any donuts. Oh, come on! (laughs) At least throw down a 20 in anger as you walk out without any donuts. Boy. Uh, Boston cream. Great donut. <laughs> I'm American, Brett. Can't have one of those. Well, then call it a Bismarck if you prefer, because that's another name for it in this city at the very least. Very good point. Okay, but uh, Richard is our winner, Greg. Yeah, I was not the server in this situation, but watched beautiful poetic justice just for once. For textbook bad customers, here we go. Working away from home and staying in a hotel that had a McDonald's in the parking lot, I ran into a couple of former co-workers that had changed companies. We decided to tie one on. When our supply had run out, I was done for the night, but they decided to risk it to go get more beer. In the meantime, I had gone down to the McDonald's for a midnight snack. 
While I'm inside, I can hear a commotion and yelling taking place in the drive-thru. The two guys I was partying with, but they're in a work vehicle, giving the server a hard time after the interaction and much swearing. The manager of the McDonald's says, we should call the police to make sure they don't hurt anyone because they're obviously intoxicated. And then he notices them pull around the building and into the parking lot of the hotel behind the store. He laughs while watching them walk into the hotel and dialing the police at the same time. Needless to say, about an hour later, their work truck was being impounded and they were being hauled off to the drunk tank out of their comfortable hotel room. Richard says, don't mess with the people that fix your food. (laughs) Oh, that is poetic indeed, Richard. Well done to you, sir. Bravo, bravo. Right now, we want to introduce you to somebody. We want to welcome someone back into the Chorus Winnipeg family. Worked with us four years ago. Went somewhere else. Now he's back. We say welcome and congratulations to the new program director of Power 97 and Peggy at 99.1, Mr. David Drake. Hello there, sir. I never realized how beautiful your voice was. (laughs) Coming from such a soothing voice. You should read audiobooks, David. Uh, that's where I, I studied was uh, was audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, um, look, it's common for people who work in radio to move around a lot mm-hmm. for work. Greg and I are kind of weird that way. This is the only radio station I've ever worked for. Same for Greg, knock on wood, uh, that I didn't just jinx myself. But Make sure that's uh, real wood and not particle board, yeah, eh, prob- McGarry? It's probably not real wood. But how many cities have you worked in, David? I have worked in, actually, it's not that many, uh, five. Five different cities. Not that many, he says casually. Okay, then how about uh, turns with this particular company, different stints with one organization, essentially? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I started in 1994 when the uh, radio station was located on on Portage Avenue, and then I worked uh, with uh, Chorus uh, when we were located at Polo Park, and now right at Portage and Main. So um, if the radio station decides to make a move in 10 years, I'll be here. So one of the cities that you have worked in is the reason why you're here to talk to us today, because you told me this story four years ago, and it was just, it blew my mind. You worked in Dubai for mm-hmm. radio. So first of all, how did that even come about? I was working in Regina at the time, and I should just say period. <laughs> but you know, Regina, the people in Regina were great. Um, but uh, I had replaced uh, a guy named Derek Watson. Um, at a radio station in uh, Regina. He had gone to Dubai. He wanted to move back to Regina. I was interested in leaving Regina at the time, and uh, we literally switched jobs again. She just traded jobs? We traded jobs. And and actually, what what was even funny was I ended up dating Derek's girlfriend when I, when I lived in Regina, too. So so I pretty much took on his life. Wow. That's uh, that's what they call the whole kitten caboodle, uh-huh. Dave. It wasn't part of the contract. It just so happened. <laughs> so tell us about Dubai. You, you make this, uh, I mean, this unimaginable decision to leave Regina mm-hmm. and go somewhere else, anywhere else, uh, but... It happens to be Dubai, one of the most incredible places on the 
planet, fair to say? You nailed it, yeah. It's, uh, it's magical. It's uh, like uh, Las Vegas on steroids. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a place that I think if uh, anyone has the opportunity to go, they should absolutely visit. Um, it's, uh, I mean, this seems obvious, but it's a completely different world. Um, it's a relatively new city. Um, I believe, uh, the city was, uh, born in the seventies. Um, and, uh, it's, it's really blown up over the, uh, the last, uh, 20 years or so. Uh, I was in Dubai back in 2003, I believe. So even between now and then, so much has happened. But uh, uh, when I got to the city, obviously it was uh, culture shock, um, jet lag. Uh, I had started my job um, literally seven hours after I arrived at the airport in Dubai. Uh, So I had never heard the radio station. It was uh, prior to streaming. So it uh, it was just a complete shock. Um, and uh, that first shift on air in Dubai was the worst of my life. <laughs> Why? Uh, well, I didn't know the call letters. I didn't know <laughs> how to operate the, the equipment. Uh, the equipment was, uh, um, I can say, archaic. Uh, they literally downloaded it offline, like from online. Um, so it wasn't professional equipment. Um, following my first, uh, my first shift, my new program director came in the room and on the air with me and said, I regret hiring you, (laughs) (laughs) but I lasted another, uh, 11 months after that. So, well, you redeemed yourself somehow magically. They gave you the opportunity. Yeah. So so is that as scary as things got for you over there? Nope. No. Uh, when my new program director came to uh, pick me up, uh, after getting no sleep at my new apartment, he uh, took away my passport, oh. um, and uh, I tried to, uh, you know, push back a little bit because it's uh, Canada's passport, not necessarily my passport, and uh, he was having none of it. He uh, assured me that the passport would be locked up and secure, uh, but uh, they just want to make sure that uh, people that they bring into the country don't just up and leave. Really? Mm-hmm. So they hold, they kind of, it's like holding your passport for ransom. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the Canadian government, obviously, when I called them, they, they said they encourage people not to surrender their passports to employers, but uh, it, uh, it's pretty common, or it was back then. What would have happened had you stood your ground? Uh, I probably wouldn't have worked in Dubai, and I wouldn't <laughs> be sitting here with you today. <laughs> so uh, did things get uh, more disturbing still? They did, yeah. They they say that uh, when you arrive in Dubai, uh, because the city is is mainly uh, made up of expats, uh, when you arrive, you either have a horseshoe or a black cloud, and it's a flip of a coin as to what you get. And uh, luckily, I got the black cloud, so it made for more interesting stories. Uh, but uh, uh, let's see. Where to start? <laughs> this sounds more serious than getting the red light at the airport when you go into Mexico. You know, you know what? Surprisingly, it's a, it was a little worse. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you got to share a story with us before we let you go. Let's see. Um, I'll talk uh, uh, the World Trade Center in Dubai. Um, I arrived to uh, have a, a lovely weekend stay because the World Trade Center in Dubai was sponsoring my show. And uh, I got out of the cab right at the front doors of the World Trade Center Hotel. And uh, a policeman uh, walked right up to me. 
uh, moved me over to the wall, asked me to put my hands up against the wall. They took my backpack. They emptied my backpack on the sidewalk. And even though my uh, program director had assured me that uh, copies, photocopies of my passport would totally work, when I showed them the photocopies, they literally threw them on the ground and uh, started yelling uh, that uh, I should not be here. Um, so uh, wow. not knowing anyone, this is my second week in, in the city, uh, I called the uh, marketing director at the hotel, and she came and rec- rescued me uh, from the police that day. Um, and uh, as it turned out, there was a bomb scare at the World Trade Center oh, that boy. day, and a uh, guy with a backpack walking around oh. is, is not a, a wise thing. So... Um, needless to say, they continued to sponsor my show, but I, I didn't get a chance to stay in this hotel, which, you know, I, I still regret. I'm going to look up that hotel. You were probably agreeing with the police officers at that point. I, you're right. I shouldn't be here. All I did was nod. Um, I, of course, I, I didn't speak Arabic. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, you, you nod and you try to smile in that situation. And uh, I've got a Chandler smile from friends, so it's more a gritted teeth look. <laughs> Uh, so I don't think that did me any favors either. <laughs> so w- was there a positive takeaway from your time in Dubai? The people, the the uh, most of the people, correction, most of the people. Um, I made some lifelong friends in a very short time. Um, from my first day, uh, I made friends from uh, Australia that I still speak to on a regular basis. Um, and uh, a woman that I worked with uh, in Dubai has moved back to Regina as well. Uh, so I, I still stay in touch with her. So, uh, so yeah, the friends, the friends, and the uh, the amazing weather. Uh, Twenty five degrees on Christmas Day. I'll take it any day of the week. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, where are you from originally, David? I was born here and uh, raised in uh, Sundown, Manitoba. Sundown, Sundown. Where's that? Southeast, about six miles from the U.S. border. Uh, I lived outside of Sundown, so I was lucky enough to be raised on a farm three miles outside of the town, if you can call it that. And, uh, uh, yeah, no one's ever heard of it. Uh, didn't uh, Gordon Lightfoot sing about sundown? Uh, that's what I say. And uh, people <laughs> just nod and smile at me. <laughs> They're like, sure, I can't. They don't know well sundown, enough to challenge it. Sundown, you better take care. <laughs> See, I, I complimented uh, Brett's voice off the top, but Brett, you've been bumped. Well, yeah, I mean, when you listen to the voice of an angel sing Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> yeah. What's it like bouncing? I mean, I know you say that you sort of downplayed like five cities is no big deal. But what is it like bouncing around from city to city for work? Like, does it make it tough to feel rooted? Like when you went to Dubai, did you imagine, like, was that always meant to be a temporary thing? I uh, expected it to be a temporary thing. Um, you know, uh, you know me. So you know that my expectations and my bar are very, very low. Uh, so... <laughs> So uh, five cities uh, moving around. Well, I'm not married, uh, so that was uh, sort of by design. I can move uh, if if need be. My dogs don't put up a fight. Uh, if they're with me, they're they're fine with moving wherever I move. So uh, luckily, we're able to uh, run the gamut of uh, radio stations in Winnipeg, and I'm I'm super pumped to be back here. Well, we always say that most of our discussions come back to either an episode of Friends, The Simpsons, or Seinfeld. And in this case, it is Seinfeld, The Drake. I love The Drake. <laughs> Good. Well, let's check back in 22 minutes then. <laughs> David oh, yeah. Drake. Things change in that episode, don't they? <laughs> they do. Yeah, fast. <laughs> David Drake, the new program director for Power 97 and Peggy at 99.1. Uh, welcome 
back to Chorus, Winnipeg, and we're glad that you didn't get trapped in Dubai. Me too. Thank Uh you, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.